Well, this is, the, this is one of those weeks, maybe you've had it, uh, where we have party after party. Our staff and our elders did a, a party, and right after this, I know many of you are going to join us, I think, in the other room. Uh, today, we're honoring all of our friends here, our family who serve faithfully, and so we do our annual Christmas party. Tis the season of the ugly sweater and the Christmas cookie. It's just, it's, it is that season. But sometimes Christmas... Um, surprises you in pleasant ways. I've got Phil and Diane Comer in the front row. Why don't you just stand here real quick? I know you won't be able to see you on the screen. Just stand up real quick, please, please, please. Give a warm welcome to our friends, Phil and Diane. They, uh, <laughs> I get to put you on the spot. This is great. The tables have turned. And uh, they uh, lead a ministry called Intentional that we support. And uh, if, you, if you haven't heard about it, just go to their website and uh, there's a great resource. Has it come out yet on video yet or is it we're close? We're really close. Really close. They've been doing these amazingly practical and helpful seminars for years live for parents of all ages or those who hope to be parents someday. And they've been videotaping it and, um, and it's about to be released. So if you've not yet been a part of Intentional, we're going to invite you once it releases. We'll, you'll give us a heads up and we'll, we'll do a pre-release party here. And we want everyone who is thinking about investing in a young one to be prepared from the Bible, how to raise passionate Jesus followers. That was a shameless plug. Uh, based on that, why don't you open your Bible to Luke chapter 1, and we're going to continue in our series called Joy to the World. Last week, we looked at uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth, and today we want to focus on the narrative in the life of Mary. So Luke 1 is where we will be. Let's, uh, let's pray, though, and quiet our hearts, and then we'll, uh, we'll read the scriptures. Lord, we're grateful for the opportunity just to stop and talk to you at any moment, any time. We can open our heart and our voice to you, and we know that you're listening, and we know that your heart's desire is when we look towards you and don't have to feel overwhelmed, we can receive the wisdom, as we sang a few moments ago, the wisdom to see things like you do. God, help us to see ourselves the way you see us. Lord, help us to see what happened in the lives of Joseph and Mary the way you see it. So God, we can follow you all our days. That's our heart. So open our minds and our souls to receive from you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we started this conversation last week on joy and Advent, and the traditional themes are, are not just joy, but I feel, I don't know about you, this year we need to overdose on joy. We need to OD. I mean, hope is important, and peace is important, and love is hugely important, but in the world that we're living in with negative news followed by negative news, we need an influx, an overdose of joy. And so last week we talked about joy. This week we talk about joy. Next week we talk about joy. Christmas Eve we talk about joy. joy. Duh, come on people, get with it. And, and this is important. Now last week we talked about it but never defined it on purpose. Uh, today we want to see in the life of Mary what joy looks like. And we'll start with a simple definition based on the Bible. Joy is, and write this down, gladness that is grounded in God. What is joy? Uh, because we use the term for all sorts of things, and the Bible does too. Uh, joy in the Bible isn't just about God, but the central theme is about a gladness of heart, 
a gladness of mind that's grounded in God, but there's joy in the simple things, joy in a good cup of coffee. If you haven't had our coffee, shame on you. We have a barista, Janae, who's leading the charge, and this is like measured perfectly and watered perfectly. It's darn good. Joy in a simple thing like a cup of coffee. Joy in a, a meal with a friend. Joy in a day off when you get it. Joy can be found in the simple things, but most of the time in the Bible, especially when you see it in the Psalms, we find that joy or rejoicing is connected directly, grounded in God. Uh, When God's people, Israel, were delivered out of Egypt, they were enslaved for 400 years, 400 years. And God, with a mighty hand, brought them out with with Moses and with Aaron, and they walked through the dry land. Remember, the Red Sea parted and they passed through. What's the first thing they do on the other side? They sing. They sing for joy because God had delivered, had thought about them. Now, this is singing on the edge of the desert about to cross a desert. You see, joy doesn't have to be uh, apart from suffering, joy is often connected with hard times, and your circumstances don't have to be all together for you to be joyful. You may have come in this morning, and there's a heaviness of heart. You say, joy to the world, four weeks on joy? I say, I'm struggling. It is possible to be hurting for good reason. It's possible to be wrestling with questions and having moments of doubt, yet... If you're listening this morning, you can realize that God can enable you to ground your circumstances and ground your life in the goodness of God. And out of that, even though you're in the middle of heartache, you could still experience God's joy. So the Bible again and again tells God's people, no matter what's going on, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. I'll just put one, um, Psalm 94, uh, 98.4, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth, burst into jubilant song with music. Shout for what? Joy. And you see it all over the Psalms and all over the Bible. So it's no surprise, Luke, who's writing his account of the good news of Jesus, in light of all that had happened in the Old Testament leading up to Jesus and about to announce the coming of the Messiah, it's no surprise. He begins with what? Joy. Luke 1 says, joy and rejoice all over the place because joy is a gladness that is grounded in God. So last week we looked at Zechariah and Elizabeth. There was joy in their family. They were not able to conceive, and there was their heart's cry to have a family. And God one-ups them and says, not only am I going to give you a son, you're going to name him John. John's going to bring the people back to God, their boy. Is going to be used by God. It'd be no greater thrill than to, to know that God's going to use those who come out of you. So Elizabeth and Zechariah rejoice. But you realize, we read it last week, when, they, when John is born, the whole town in the village uh, rejoices in the goodness of God. So when you see God at work in your life and you recognize God as God, not only can it change you, but it can impact the people around you. Now, last week we skipped Mary. Sorry, Mary. But for time, we wanted to look um, at Zechariah and Elizabeth. So let's go back, Luke chapter 1, and we'll look at Mary's account starting in verse 26. 
Luke 1, 26 says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And this virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is, the Lord is with you. God sends a messenger to tell Mary and announce some, some good news that's going to be a great joy to all people. But you notice twice it mentioned Mary connected with her state, right? At this point, uh, she is pledged. So marriage in their day was two stages, a, a real engagement where you're married, but you're not, you're not in the same house. You're not together as husband and wife, but you are pledged. It's going to happen gap of time, and then the ceremony, and then you're fully one. Well, they had part one, but they're not yet part two, and, and, and we're supposed to know this. Why? Zachariah and Elizabeth had a gift of God, a child, but that happened the natural way. They had come together, but they were not able to conceive, but God came, and they were able to come together in husband and wife, and they did conceive. That's beautiful, um, my wife and I, we, we couldn't have kids. We were unable for close to 10 years. And then we came together and God in his goodness gave us a child. But that's like natural, phenomenal, like supernatural, but natural. But twice we see her story is going to be different because this child is going to be different. So while she is not yet married, not living like a wife and husband to Joseph, uh, she's going to conceive anyway. Look, Verse 29, we know this is trouble because look at how her, she responds. Mary was greatly troubled. Why is she greatly troubled? Because this is not, this can't happen yet at his words. And wonder what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will conceive, give birth to a son. You're to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called son of the most high. In contrast, the son of Joseph. He's going to be called son of of the Most High God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Remember, Joseph is from the line of David. So yeah, there's a connection to the great king. But no, no, no. This one is going to take the throne. And how long? The Lord will give him his throne of David. He will reign over Jacob's descendants, that's the nation of Israel, forever. His kingdom will last 20 years. No, will never end. So she is given, we're going to call her 12, 13, 14. We don't know precisely, but she's just a child. And a messenger from God comes to the child and says, not only is God working in your extended family, Elizabeth is going to have a child, but you're going to have a child. He is going to be great. And so his coming is going to be great. And Joseph won't take credit. You won't take credit. This comes from God. Verse 34, logical question. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm still a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. She knew Elizabeth was barren. And she who said she was unable to conceive is in her sixth month. 
And then this beautiful statement, for no word from God will ever fail. I want us to say that line together. Ready? One, two, three. For no word from God will ever fail. All right, say it again. For no word from God will ever fail. Who's going to make this happen? God will. And that's what Mary needed to know. God was going to make it happen. Who am I? God's favor is on you. How will it happen? The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. Try putting yourself in Mary's Burks. She didn't have shoes. She had Burks. You know, old school like Burks. But as she's going in her little sandals, try putting yourself in her Burks. Because she has already been pledged publicly to this man. They live in small towns. You think word spreads fast now. Small village. And she's not given an immediate baby bump, but she knows in a couple of months what's going to happen. She's pledged to this man, but she's going to begin to show. Now, the Holy Spirit may have come on her, but who's going to explain that to the whole town? She has very reason and good reason to be afraid. Do you know you could be afraid of what's going to happen in the future, yet be filled with God's joy? You can wonder how is God going to do what he says he's going to do and yet be filled with God's joy? They're not mutually exclusive. But we want to remember that when God comes to Mary, it doesn't look like anything is going to happen. Yet her world's about to be turned upside down. And how does she respond? Here's what we need to see. Verse 38. Since no God, word from God will ever fail. Verse 38, her response. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the messenger, the angel, left her. When God's presence comes to you in ways that you didn't anticipate, joy. When God surprises you and, and you didn't know it was coming, but now you sense he's moving, joy. And, and her response, I think, ought to drive the way we walk into this Christmas season, and I think every day in following Jesus. If we are listening and we are hearing, the response to whatever God says ought to be like Mary. I am the Lord's servant. May your word happen. I don't have to understand it. I don't have to comprehend it. I can't make it all pan out on paper, but God, I want what you want. And to me, that's the essence of joy. It's an accepting God's invitation. Whatever God's inviting you to step into, it may not seem possible. Just think of her. She's a no one. And there's a definite contrast here. You have Zechariah, who's a priest, who has a position. And his wife, Elizabeth, they both are godly people. Yeah, something special is happening to them. They're at the end of their life, and their faithfulness is now being given with favor from God. I, I kind of get that. She is a young no one. And yet God comes to her. Zechariah, interestingly enough, is slow to believe. But Mary is quick to believe. And I think this says something about us, you know, you don't need a position. You don't need 10, 20, 30 years of following Jesus to respond in the right way to God. You just need an open heart and an open mind. 
And you could be brand new to following Jesus. You could be on the verge of following Jesus. And you could respond just like the blessed Mary when God is real to you and gives you real words of instruction or encouragement. Respond like this beautiful woman. May it be. And that's our prayer. Now, notice what happens right after she says yes. Um, Just jump down to verse 46. Mary responds with what? A song. You see, the right response when Israel was delivered from their troubles, they respond with singing. It's why singing in church is so so important and worship to God really matters. Look, it's it's not the filler so you can find your seat. The songs aren't like a filler, you know, if you like this background music before the movie begins. This is not a filler. This is the right response. When, when we come into a room realizing that God has been with us all week long, we ought to respond. You ought to come to church with a song on your heart. I hope that you come, you know, forget, don't listen to the news coming in. How foolish. Do not listen to the news on your way to church. Throw on some music that is rejoicing in the goodness of God and come when you gather with God's people in your home or the church on a Sunday in a space like this or even when you're watching online. Prepare your heart because Mary hears the word from God and she responds this way, verse 46. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Why? For he's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. And then she goes on a rant. Notice the rant. God has been faithful to me, but not just me. Verse 50. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. So God's been faithful over the centuries. He's performed mighty deeds with his arm. He's scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things. He sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servants, just the things of the whole country, Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and to his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary's joy comes from the mighty one. The mighty one God himself has been good to her, and by the way, has been good to all of the people before her. So she recites, see, part of our singing, part of our joy, part of our rejoicing, it's grounded in God. It's gladness of heart. Now look, life is not perfect. Would you agree? Life is filled with flaws. Life is filled with disappointments. Your life, my life, our life. I realize that we're about 10 years old as a church, And I've been waiting for the moment of peace. The moment where everyone's life is together at the same time. It's like like being the parent of multiple kids where there's peace in every soul at the same time. It happens for 30 seconds and then chaos returns, right? That's just life. No, our circumstances won't always seem all together. Yet that shouldn't steal and rob your joy because God's been faithful before you and he's faithful to you and he'll be faithful after you. And so she 
when she comes up with the song, if you've seen the movie The Chosen, the Christmas uh, special, our community group, we went and saw it this last week. They took some literary license. It's worth seeing some creative license on, on, on this entire scene. It's, it's worth it, though. But you realize that what she does, she comes up with the song because her mind is already saturated with the goodness of God. And, and this isn't new, by the way, if you read this, uh, and The Chosen pulls this out in the movie as well. Her song is parallel to another woman's song before her, centuries before her, Hannah. At a dark point in history, by the way, Jesus is born in a dark point in history. Jesus is going to take the kingdom and the throne of his father, David. Oh, by the way, there is no Israeli king in Jerusalem. So this word to Mary is shocking. And it's a dark point because the Romans are ruling and the Romans are oppressing. And even the religious establishment is ebbing lower and lower. There's not a passion in the quote-unquote church. There's corruption in and around the temple. Things are not the way they should be. And God speaks a work of hope. Here's a deliverer who's going to bring people back to God. But this story had already been told in Hannah. And in 1 Samuel 2, you realize in 1 Samuel 1, Hannah is a woman after God's own heart. And she cannot conceive and she prays to God and says, God, will you please, I want to bear you a son and I will dedicate this boy to your service. I want what you want, God. I want what you want. I want my life to be immersed in what you're doing, and I want God, your presence to be amongst our people. Will you give me a child to bring people back to you? And God answers her prayer, and she is going to conceive, not like Mary. She's got a husband, but her womb is going to be open. And how does Hannah respond? First Samuel 2. Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies for a delight in your deliverance. There's no one holy like the Lord. There's no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. The rock was the place in the desert where God poured out water and they didn't die. God brought life out of a rock. And so the metaphor there is no life-giving rescuer like our God. And in Hannah's day, there was spiritual darkness. There were the end of the period of the judges. It goes from bad to worse, to worser, which isn't a word, to worse this, which definitely isn't a word. It just slides. And if you feel like that's the trajectory of your life, here's a word of hope. God speaks life in dark places. And he speaks words of light and Samuel is going to come from Hannah, and Samuel is going to be used by God to draw the nation back to a relationship with God. And this Samuel is going to be the one to anoint King David, who's a picture of the great King Jesus who is to come. And Hannah had no idea, but when you realize that you're caught up in what God is doing, your life can be filled with joy. Look. Hannah had her challenges. Elizabeth and Zechariah had their challenges. Joseph and Mary definitely had their challenges. And you have yours. But in all of these people, 
their joy is grounded in the goodness of God. And so if we can learn that, it sure does beat another item that you're going to unwrap and possibly return in 13 days. What if we learned this year to live in a state of joy? Now, in light of what happened here, I've got four things I want to go through quickly that I think I, I started with 87, but we've narrowed it down to four because it's palatable and uh, it'll be done before lunch. Four reasons that you and I ought to increase in joy, even if we're in the middle of a challenging moment or season. Number one, God has included us. Write these down. If not, scribble or pretend it'll make me feel better. God has, God has included us. We saw that last week. Zechariah and Elizabeth are included in the big thing God is doing. And God has a long track record of including undeserving people. And by the way, you and I are undeserving. We're undeserving. None of us. No. I mean, Mary's undeserving. She is about as humble as a person that God could ever come to. And God delights to take the most humble person and say, aha, they'll probably give me the credit. But you know what? It's entitlement that breeds contempt. Would you agree? It's when we believe that we deserve something that we become discontented. How is it that your riches can increase and your joy can be sucked out of your life? This makes no sense. You can find people who've accumulated great prestige, great wealth, great accolades, and find themselves hopelessly depressed or just zapped of the joy that God can bring. It's because when you think you deserve it, joy cannot mix with that kind of heart. Truth is, God doesn't owe you anything. And I think it needs to be said. God doesn't owe you anything. And you may be special. That may actually be true. But who is special like God is special? And so anything we get, and this is why for us, joy is a challenge. Uh, I would invite you, join me on a trip to many parts of the world that have less money material resources, health care, and all the beautiful things that you and I enjoy. Let's get a reality check. Um, get on a plane, put on your mask, fly, and in many places you will find little in terms of material resources and great joy. Great joy. I've been in the most humble circumstances and thought, wow, this family probably spent a week to two weeks Three weeks money to prepare me a meal. And their house is filled with joy. And yet I come back and find myself discontented if I have to wait two minutes on a drive through where I didn't even have to get out of my car. And I am virtually honking the horn saying, hurry up. Joy is not equated with material wealth. But when you realize all of its grace, all of its kindness, all of its mercy, all of it is God's goodness, then your heart can be filled with joy. Second thing, God keeps his promises. The reason that you and I can, can grow in our joy is because God always keeps his promises. Mary says, from now on, generation after generation will call me blessed, for the mighty one has gr done great things for me. Mary connects the dots between 
Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Moses, and David, and all the prophets, and now Jesus. She can connect the dots and say like, man, he's kept this promise. I can count on him. And it's God's track record, not ours, that ought to be the source of joy and the reason to rejoice. Listen, if you're waiting to get it right before you'll be happy about life, good luck. Good luck. Because even if you get it right, doesn't mean your motivations are right. But what if we just said, it's God's track record. That's the reason I can be joyful. Then it gives us good reason to hope because he includes broken people like me. Everyone in the biblical story, other than God himself and in the person of Jesus, are broken and fractured at best. But yet, he doesn't do work away from us or despite us. He does his greatest work through us, which is good news. Third reason, God honors our response to him. A reason for joy is that God actually is honoring us when we respond to him in the right way. Verse 38, I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And so there's a contrast. Like I said, Zechariah is slow to hear the word of God and his mouth needs to be silenced. And, and he's the priest in the temple. He's the person with prestige. Yet he is silenced because he's slow to believe the word of the Lord. His mouth isn't open till John is born, but Mary humbly says yes at the beginning. And you have this beautiful parallel. By the way, in their world, to be a priest would be one of the most respectable, God-close positions, but he's silenced, he's slow, and 12, 13, 14-year-old nobody, Mary, is exalted. In their day, a woman didn't even have the right to give testimony in court because she was just a woman. And in the biblical story, God raises up the lowly and shows that he is God. And he keeps his promises. And he honors when people, so we can respond like Mary. Here's the, here's the call. Well, this is a great story, but what does that have to do with me? You and I, we can gauge our response. So every single day, I have the ability to respond to God. You know, today, you responded to God. Why? It's called the Lord's Day. <laughs> you realize that's what this is? Today's the Lord's Day. God set aside a day. Oh, so I only get to talk to God one day a week? No, no, you missed the point. One day a week, you and I get the privilege of dropping everything else and saying, God will provide everything I need. He already provides seven days a week. I am not a machine. I get to stop and enjoy God. This is the Lord's day. And you responded by saying, I'm gonna connect with God on his day. Well done, well done. Kudos to you, very American, you're special. No, that's cool. But you know what? Every day's a chance to respond to God. So Mary hears the word of the Lord, which means she's listening. She's ready and I wonder if day by day we long to live this way. We're talking about joy. If you want to see your joy increase, put yourself in a position where you are actively listening to God often and then responding in the right way. So Mary did not have what we now call the New Testament. So the messenger had to come to her and tell her this is what God's about to do. But now we have the full counsel of God. Every word of God is flawless or 
Flawless is everything God has said. So I never have to wonder, man, God, what are you thinking? All I need to do is open my eyes to his word and he can give me the direction. So here's some responses. Do you want to, in the next two to three weeks, hear from God and have him fill your joy? Then I would encourage you, open your eyes to what he said. Well, where do I start? Yes. Well, how, well, how, much, well, how much do I need to read? Absolutely. It doesn't, it doesn't take but an attentive heart to say, I long for God. And if you will, oh, and that's a, are you going to long? Well, well I'm, I'm struggling with my joy. Well, tell me about the presence of God in your life. What does the presence of God look like for you? Not your quiet time, but the presence of God. What does it look like? How, how, do, you, how do you live with God? If we will make that our goal, of course our joy is going to increase because we're going to hear from him. And then when you hear what he says, when you read in the Bible his promises, do you trust them? Or do you have to figure it out for him? When he calls us to action, are we the first people to say, ouch, like the fruit of the Spirit is patience, Jose. Yeah, but God, you didn't make me patient. So like, like, I'm not wired that way. I'm wired for fast progress now. But the fruit of the Spirit is patience, Jose. Yeah, but God, that's like someone else. That's, I'm like the fruit of the Spirit is speed. And, and, and he's like, no, the fruit of the Spirit is patience. Well, God, I can't be patient. Whoa. The evidence of having my presence is patience. God, may it be to me. Now, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about me. <laughs> Maybe it's something different for you. Me, it's patience. It's like, God, why are you slow? And why are you slowing me down? And he's saying, the fruit and the evidence that you really know me is that you're willing to wait on me. Dang. I just hate it when he's so true. But joy is grounded in the goodness of God. And so if we'll learn to listen, the final one is God is present in the messy details. And I think this is gonna bring some hope to some of us who are feeling like, well, man, the details of my life right now are just so scattered. Well, again, we, our group saw the, this scene that we're about to read. We're gonna read uh, Luke chapter two, verse one. And in this scene, we see what happens when Jesus is born. But I just want us, if you, if you don't have a chance, I heard, I may be wrong, that the chosen Christmas thing is going to be on the app this week. So if you miss it in the theaters, definitely download the app and watch it because it gives color. It's not the Bible. They take some visual interest. But wait till you see Joseph because like, man, Joseph is dirty, gritty. I like their version of Joseph because it gets me out of what I think this is like. And the scene, I'm not going to give it away, but the scene where Jesus is born is not sterilized. And I think it's helpful. It's actually animal stuff. And I think this is helpful because we realize that God isn't present in clean lives 
and clean scenes, he's evident and working in messiness. So if you're messy, man, you're a candidate for the presence of God. Well, let's just read Luke 2, just the first few verses. In the days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken in the entire Roman world. And this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So they're not even where they're supposed to be. It's messy. They're on the road. So Joseph also went from a town from, of Nazareth and Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. So he goes to his hometown with a not yet fully married wife who's fully about to give birth. It's messy. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to a firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And everyone has their version of if you've ever wanted a family. It's like most, not all, but most young ladies like dream of their wedding day and like think about it and strategize and you know, online dress shop and all that. Not everyone, I'm not stereotyping, but, but that's not a surprise if you have. And, and then if you're thinking of having kids, you have a, a sense of what it's supposed to be like. And I'm here to tell you, joy can be found in messy places because we think, you, you, you know, if you're married and, or you're about to have a child and you go and they'll give a class on what it's going to be like, which is kind of a joke because you have no idea what it's going to be like. Like if it's in the middle of the day, right after your coffee, you kind of check in. It's easy. What happens if it happens in the middle of the night? What happens if it happens when you're on the road? And, and, and things do not happen according to perfect timing. Uh, some of you know the story well. My wife and I, we could not have kids. We, we couldn't. We tried. We went to doctors, everything. And by the grace and the goodness of God, he allowed Carmen to, to conceive. And we were like so overjoyed. So we go and... and, and and it was not what we thought because Carmen wasn't feeling well and her feet became very large. I mean, very, very, very large. And so we went in and it was a high blood pressure thing. And so they're like, you're not leaving. You're, you're going to have this child now. Well, we weren't exactly ready for that. I wasn't. And, and then she gives birth and I'm holding Jonah. And it was beautiful and wonderful and very messy. I didn't watch the video that they tell you to watch. I'm glad I didn't because uh, I was shocked by how messy the whole process is. And then Carmen just about flatlined and died. As I'm holding him, she was hemorrhaging, and her blood pressure, which had already been spiking and dropping, flat out, and I watched her eyes go to the back of her head, and she was shaking uncontrollably until she passed out, and I thought she was dead. So if you want to talk about surprise, we realized that, you can't dictate the details, but God was present. And by the grace of God, we had a doctor going on. We had this beautiful OB that we were scheduled with. And we went, and because it was off hours, we got Dr. Payne. Literally, Dr. Payne was the one who delivered Jonah. And she was like five foot, 100 pounds wet. I mean, just so small, like choose your like maiden name or something, but why would you pick Dr. Payne? But that was our doctor. And our, our doctor in the end, when she was finally out of the woods, said, your wife is the reason you shouldn't have a child at home. She wouldn't have made it. If we weren't all right here, she would have died. And I found that joy can be found in messy places. 
And God provided in ways that I had never imagined it, which is why the beautiful thing that we get from Mary is Luke 2, 19. Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. That's a walk with God where you realize not all of life is sanitary and clean, but she was able to ponder in her heart the faithfulness of God through all of it. So the invitation for Zachariah and Elizabeth and Joseph and Mary and for you and, and me is to hear from God and join in what he's doing. So three questions to kind of guide our response and then we're gonna invite you to rejoice, to sing, to, to respond because this is, this is not just old news, this is good news, this is now news, this is like life-changing news. One, are we listening? Are we listening? Are we in a spot like the people in Luke chapters one and two that are, are eager for God? Are we asking Jesus for his will or our will? What you see that's so beautiful is in all of these people, they were not expecting it, but they said, God, not what we want. We want what you want. And they gave their lives over to him and joy can be found. And if you wanna hold on to your life, you're gonna lose it. If you lose your life, for me and my kingdom, says Jesus, you will have found life. So joy is not found in getting what I want. Joy is found in being lost in the presence of God. Lost. Because what I want may not be what he wants, but when I see him, I want him. And then I want what he wants. And finally, are we taking steps of faith and obedience? So all of them begin to live it out, and, and Mary becomes this mother-to-be without recognizing, how do I do this? Like, how, could you imagine, how, how do I be this woman of God bearing the Son of God? How do I? She doesn't know how. How do you raise God? <laughs> you ever thought about that? How do, you, how do you mom Jesus? But day by day, God gave her the wisdom to raise the son, which is amazing. I want to invite the team to come. You're like, Jose, steps of obedience. What do, I, what do I do? Can I just give you a practical one? We believe that we respond by hearing from the Holy Spirit. And in our singing, we're going to be listening to God to, to show us how to respond. But I can give you one you don't need to think about twice. Our neighbors at Project Homeless Connect have invited us to help those who have no home to provide resources out of the overflow, the abundance of all the stuff we have. Can I just say a step of active obedience is to come next Sunday with stuff, like literal stuff, that are gifts from God and to give them, hear, hear me, to someone you'll never meet. See, part of the challenge of our gift giving is we get the joy of seeing the smile on their face. And that's our payment. When someone surprises you with something awesome, you know it, and you can go, kind of go, I'm pretty incredible. But when you give things to people you'll never meet, to me, that's close to the heart of God. It's like, Lord, I don't know who this is. I don't know who these gloves are gonna go to, but I pray they'll find you, right, right? And I don't know who's gonna eat this meal, but Lord, may they realize that you love them and you're inviting them home. And, and this is the kind of people we want to be. So 
If you don't know where to start, I just told you where to start. Now, where do you go from there? I have no idea what the Spirit of God does. So why don't you stand on your feet and let's respond to the Holy Spirit. And we're gonna invite God to be God in our lives. And so whether you're at home, if you're at home, I'm gonna invite you to grab uh, the bread and grab the cup. We're gonna take and we're gonna eat and drink together in a moment. If you don't have one of those when you walked in, uh, during the song, you could just go to the Get Connected table in the back and grab it. Uh, we're not passing them out just because of you know, COVID realities, but you can grab it at the back table. Lord, now we want our hearts and our minds to hear from you. God, you've been speaking. Now apply the truth to our own soul, we pray. Lord, we want to be like the people in Scripture who are not perfect, but seem to have found a way to say yes to you. And so in our own small way, Lord, we say yes to you. Now, Lord, we want to sing with joy because you've come. And Jesus, you are the Savior of the world, so we worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray these things in Jesus' name.